on today's Out of Office Bros. We're discussing the NFL Division Round Playoff Game, CU Bucks men's and women's basketball, and the greatest what-ifs in sports history. This is Out of Office Bros. Let's hit it. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Out of Office Bros. It is your boy, D-Train, along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. Scotty L., how are we doing today, pal? Well, D-Train, we are approaching the weekend, which means we've got some NFL football. We have college basketball. There's been a lot of news and notes around the sports world this week. Whether that's coaching carousel, which we've been talking a lot about, you start seeing these interviews being reported. Yep. NFL playoffs obviously are a huge thing, sealing the spotlight. You've got a coaching carousel still continuing in the NCAA, transfer portal madness. There, there's just a lot going on. Yeah, there's there really is. There is. There's a lot of things happening in sports right now. So let's dive in. Uh, let's start off with our divisional round playoff games uh, approaching. We got two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday. Boy, do I love the NFL playoffs. My entire weekend is consumed by playoff football. I'm sure the wife will love that. <laughs> she doesn't. I, I enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed your text last weekend. Of what are we doing after this? More no. football. <laughs> yeah, she said to me it was during the uh, the Packers Cowboys game. It was like near in the fourth, near the end of the fourth quarter. And my wife said to me, "Well, so what are we doing after this, babe?" And I looked her dead in the eye and said, "Another game." I can only picture your wife's reaction. Just knowing <laughs> her as as well as I do, I can only picture that reaction. It was probably like. My guess would be like sad puppy, maybe a little frustrated puppy. Yeah, probably more frustrated puppy than anything else. Yeah, but uh, on Saturday, 2.30 Mountain Time, we have the number four seed, Houston Texans, taking on the number one seed in the AFC, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, currently, the spread is the, has the Ravens favored at nine and a half. That's yeah, got to be um, one of the bigger spreads in playoff history. Yeah, that's a massive spread, and I see where they're getting it from. I mean, the Ravens have quietly been a juggernaut all year. Lamar quietly has been a top three quarterback all season. Put, put together an MVP campaign for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I see why it is what it is, and the Texans have been known to drop games this year that they shouldn't drop. And also, they – I'm not sure they're ready yet. They're not ready for this stage yet is kind of where right. my head is at. Yeah. I think like the way that I feel about it is I'm maybe one more, like one more Texans went away from feeling confident that they've reached that like milestone that they could get into the AFC championship game. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. I just, I'm right there with you. I, I I I just don't have a lot of faith. Like the Houston Texans are a really exciting team. Mm-hmm. I mean, CJ Stroud's an incredible talent and they they're kinda they got they got some spunk to them. They got some mm-hmm. fight, some grittiness. Mm-hmm. But 
I think they're a few pieces away. I think they're still and, a few pieces away. Yeah, and as I said, I think they're like that next man up kind of team. Like they're they're definitely gonna get there. I just think that right now the Ravens coming off of resting coming off of the performances that Lamar Jackson has put on this season. I just think that they're that the phenom that is CJ Stroud is going to meet his match in Baltimore. Yeah. I, I think that this is probably the end of the Houston Texans fairy tale for this season. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're going to be treated to Lamar Jackson, which is yeah. not a bad consolation prize. The dude's incredible. I mean, I still remember watching the first time I ever heard about Lamar Jackson was back when Vine was a thing. And he had that clip from when he was in high school that went viral of mm-hmm. him just stopping dead in his tracks. Two on the one yard line. By. On the one yard line. Yeah, that was yeah. insane. And he just struts on into the end zone. Yeah. Like Lamar is him and he has been him for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And. You know, NFL, I think we kind of discount Lamar to a certain extent and what kind of talent he really is um, versus in the grand la- in the landscape of the sport because he is an incredible talent. Yeah. And I think that there are just times we forget about that because yeah. especially here in Denver, I mean, Baltimore is on the other side of the goddamn country and no one thinks about Baltimore. I haven't thought about the city of Baltimore outside of the wire in God knows how long. So... And the wire has become one of your one of your comfort shows that you've you've watched it twice now, right? Yeah, I have. It's a yeah. great show. It's yeah, so good. It is. Um, so so what are your predictions for this game? I mean, it it, kind of, it definitely sounds like you're leaning Ravens, but what about like yeah. a score? Like what are you kind of thinking here? Yeah, I'm I'm all in on the Ravens this game. I'm not sure if they cover. Um because nine and a half, that's just a lot of points in the playoffs. And you know, they they might have gotten a little rusty um, in this time off. I, I'm absolutely taking the Ravens money line, which is, it's, it's not even good value. You're going to have to roll it into a parlay. It's minus 420 right now, according to Oof. ESPN bet. Um, so it's not great value. There's no real purpose. Like, why, why even bother throwing money on it just as a straight? But I, I think the Ravens win by a touchdown. They win comfortably. And yeah. I think it maybe pulls to within that touchdown within like the final four minutes. Sure. I, the, the, so the reason I'm picking the Ravens is, is that they allow, they were ranked first, their defense in completion percentage, passing yards per attempt, pass to, or a touchdown interception ratio, ratio and passing passer rating allowed. So I just think that, like deep passes that CJ Stroud and this Houston Texans offense has kind of been scoring their points on is going to get taken away by this Ravens defense. And, yeah. and, and they're, they're going to have to play a different style of football that then they've been able to play the, re- the other 18 games that they've played. And it just, it can't turn over like that, that quickly. Um, I, I would say I, I still I think the under hits here it's it's sitting at forty three and a half and I know that's pretty low but I still like I just don't I just don't think that it's gonna be that high of a scoring affair I would say it's gonna be like I don't know Ravens twenty four Texans seventeen something like that 
Yeah, I'm with you on the under. I mean, if you just look at the Ravens' scores throughout the season, Sam's the San Francisco right. LA Rams and Miami Dolphins games and the bank, one of the Bengals games, it that over is pretty pretty damn good. Um yeah. or that under is pretty damn good. Like 17-10 against the Steelers, granted that was week 18, Lamar didn't play. Yeah. Um 56-19 well, against Miami. And that's what we're Miami. forgetting. That's what we're forgetting too is is that the Ravens didn't just get to rest one week because they had the one seed locked up. They rest they rested two because they had it locked up after their week 17 win. And I, and Lamar even rested week 17. Like Lamar Jackson has had three weeks of rest. Uh, week seventeen, he played. He played. He played. Oh, he Miami. did. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah you're right. So it's start one last week, and now into this week would be three weeks rest. Yeah. So that's a long time. Like I think the Ravens probably will start slow this game, which is why I like yeah. that under. Yeah. Um, but they'll get it going. I, I. There's a path for Houston to win, but this would be a tremendous upset. Yeah, a tremendous upset. Yeah, I mean, everybody's picking the Ravens in this one, but everybody picked the Cowboys, um, which takes me because everyone else is a bunch of idiots. (laughs) No (laughs) one takes the Cowboys. Our next game here, uh, Green Bay Packers, the first seven seed to win in a playoff game, taking on the number one seed in the NFC, San Francisco 49ers. That one is at 615 Mountain Time. Um, same sort of thing with the 49ers here. They, they have two weeks of rest for their starters cause they had the division or they had the, uh, conference locked up. Um, and yeah, I mean this, I think this one's going to be a better game than that first game. I think the Packers are they're they're on like a hot streak right now where they were riding that three game win streak into the playoffs obviously kicked the shit out of the cowboys in the first round i think this one is shaping up to be a very exciting football game yeah i think this one is i think the games progressively get better as we yeah, go through 100%. the playoffs and this one is it, it, it's similar right you know you've got green bay kind of it's the same vein as the Texans. Yeah. You know, a young upstart kind of run right now with a young quarterback that has just taken over the reins. That's exciting and can really, really get going in Jordan love. But this is still a nine and a half point spread, just like game one. Um, Yeah. You know, if it just came down to a straight quarterback battle of love versus Purdy, I'm taking Jordan Love, but there's Christian McCaffrey, there's Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. Packers don't have guys like that. They don't have the horses like that. And that Niners defense has been solid all year. Not great, yeah. but solid. Yeah. Really, really solid. Um, I, I would love to see the Packers continue, and I think this game is closer I, I like the Packers to cover in this game. I don't like the Packers to win. Yeah. I mean, it's the exact same spread as that Houston Texans, Baltimore Ravens one. It's sitting at nine and a half. And that just feels big high. It, it, in, any, high. in any in any playoff game. It just seems silly that though the favorite team is at home, though they are 
um, coming off of rest. I just think that that nine and a half is just way too, way too high for any playoff game. I wholeheartedly agree. And, um, you know, going out to the Bay, I think that will play a role. And that's another reason why I'm giving the Niners the win. I think if this is in Lambeau, it may be a different, a little bit different. You could see a field goal sure. uh, kind of game. But, you know, you're going out to the Bay. Niners are coming off a lot of rest. Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Those three dudes alone win you the game. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm taking the end of the Cinderella Green Bay Packers for this season. But I think they're going to be a problem going forward if they get some skill position guys and do what they never did for Aaron Rodgers and build up a good wide receiving core around Jordan Love and you know get him a little bit of help on the offensive line. You don't need a ton. You have a great left tackle and David Bakhtiari, but you need a little bit. You need to consistently improve because I'm pretty sure Billy Turner is still starting at right tackle for them. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, I the reason I'm picking the 49ers here is this offense is you know outside of Brock Purdy they're experienced, um, loaded. I mean, this year they ranked top four in every major category, being scoring. Uh, total yardage, pass, passing, and rushing. There, I just think that there, it's going to be too much for the Packers' defense to try to to try to stop. Yeah, I, I agree, and um, you know it would be a great story because Purdy is the one quarterback remaining in the NFL playoffs that wasn't drafted in the first round. Right. So it it will be cool to see, but he also just has an absurd amount of talent around him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absurd. So that that covers up a lot of those warts. And I, I've said it before on this pod. I'll say it again. I, I really think that the, if the Niners get some sort of a, above, well above average quarterback play, like low end of good, they're going to be a problem for years. Yeah, years. Yeah. They're they're going to be the new Patriots. Yeah, I I we talked about this in an earlier podcast. We had a guest host with Batemo on, and and we talked about that. We talked about you know how Kyle Shanahan has just created a culture over there of winning. Yeah, kind of regardless of who the quarterback is, they've still been able to win a ton of games. Yeah, I, I still feel like Kyle Shanahan's a bit of a douche, but. That's fine. I mean, is, if if he's, he's a good coach, the, yeah, if he's winning a lot of games. It it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so it sounds like we're on the same page here. Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, number four seed, traveling to Motor City to take on Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. And I just have to say, the reason that we've been saying Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions is because I really do feel like he is a twelfth man on the field out there. Like he, it, he is an inspiration for that team. And, and we talked about that agnosium on the last podcast, but, but truly he, I think that he is almost a 12th man out there. I mean, he is, he may not be the best coach remaining in the playoffs, but he is the coach that rallies his team the best. Yeah. 
And you can't discount what that buy-in and what that belief can do for a team. I, I, you and I are also just big Dan Campbell guys. We've talked about this for the entire NFL season. Like, he's just that guy that, you know, you, you take a lot of pride in him being your head coach. Um, credit to the Detroit Lions organization for sticking with him. I know that at one point there was talks of firing him after a couple of bad years, and they did the right thing. They gave him yep. time. They gave him patience because you could start to see transition. It was slow. And we talked about this with the buffs where, you know, first you lose big, then you lose small, then you win small, then you win big. You're seeing it play out in the NFL right now with Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's completely transformed this team. This team has taken on his identity. They play with a toughness about them. They don't back down from anything from any adversity, from any challenges they faced all year. And they, as cliche as this is, they play to the final whistle every single game. I've not seen a quit in this team. So I, I'm taking the Lions here. Um, it's a little bit of a battle of, like, discarded quarterbacks that have found a resurgence between yeah. with Jared Goff and Baker. But... I, I like the Lions pieces a lot more than I like Tampa Bay's. I think Tampa Bay, they, they surprised us this year, but they played in such a weak division, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Most other division, <laughs> it, yeah. Like most other divisions in football, they would not be in the playoffs. Right. So I, I kind of, you, you have to take that into consideration. The Lions, they took care of business all year. Um, well, and these that, teams, these teams played each other this season too. Yeah, which is one thing. It's it's hard to beat the same team twice in an NFL season, yeah. particularly when they're not in your division and you don't have that familiarity. Um, that being said, I still like the Lions. I like the Lions to cover. It's minus six. I, I like that. I, I like so, the Lions a lot. Yeah, when I when I took my notes, so it looks like the the line has moved, which means a lot of people are taking that six and a half because, uh, or sorry, the six because it was at six and a half. So they're definitely moving it down uh, because so yeah. many people are taking that for, for the Lions to cover. Yeah, um, I, I like the Lions here to cover that though. It's yeah, six six and a half. It doesn't matter to me. Either way, you need a touchdown. Like I, I don't believe in pushing your bets. So yeah. <laughs> I, I still think the Lions win by a tutty or more. Yeah, yeah. For and sure. let's remember, they play in a dome. Did you see right. that this week? That was uh, the reporter that asked Todd Bowles how he's going to handle the weather. In oh, Detroit. yeah. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, Do a yeah, little research before you hop on. Like, get out your phone. The smallest. Just like you don't even have, like I don't even for me I know Detroit plays in a dome I did I don't even have to think about that but uh, yeah I mean I think what the, I think what this game game comes down to is Baker Mayfield's ability to keep up with the scoring capability of that Detroit Lions offense mm -hmm. um, my a, another shout out to to Papa D Train uh, my dad. He, he and I talked on Tuesday about all the games last weekend, and he said, hey, man, you give me 22 Baker Mayfields, and I'll give you a Super Bowl. A and I see what he's saying because this dude 
just plays with so much heart, so much tenacity, and and he can do things out there that you just you look and you're like, God damn. <laughs> um, yeah. But I I just think that the Lions are just too good of a team right now that I think that they stop the the Buccaneers and in, in its in its tracks. Yeah, the one weakness on this line seemed the one true weakness is their secondary. But, you know, which version of Baker are we going to get? And like you said, they got to keep up. Yeah. Because we all know Goff and Gibbs and that Lions offense is going to point, put points. And Montgomery and Laporta as a rookie is slowly becoming the best tight end in football. He's insane. Yeah. He is so good. But, you know, these boys are going to be ready to play in Detroit. And I, I think they're playing for the they're playing for the city, man. They're yeah. playing for the pride. Like, that's that's a lot of weight on their shoulders. We'll see how they handle the pressure. But well, and I and I think that win on on Sunday it really is going to kind of take the weight off. Yeah of being the first Detroit Lions team in 32 years to win a playoff game, they may play loose out there and, and it may get them the win because they're not going to be so in their heads. Yeah. The monkey's off the back. The proverbial, exactly. proverbial monkey is off the back. So yeah, I I'm excited about this Detroit Lions team. I I've said on this pod, I would love nothing more than for a Bill's Lions Super Bowl. That would make me so happy as yeah. a football fan. And I think the Lions advance to the NFC Championship to take on the vaunted San Francisco 49ers. Yep, I completely agree. I completely agree. Uh, well, let's move to, as my co-host Scotty L said, each we are getting, we go better and better to better matchups throughout the playoffs here. And it all culminates with a rematch between number three seeded Kansas City Chiefs versus number two seeded Buffalo Bills. Um, let me say this fewer games mean fewer narratives throughout the NFL playoffs. Um, but did you hear that this is Patrick Mahomes' first true road playoff game? Yeah, and I hate Patrick Mahomes, so fucking Kermit. He has to go away from Muppet land. But I, I think that that only plays in Buffalo's favor. I, Dude, I would I'd be hard-pressed to think it doesn't. Dude, literally all I had to do, though, was legit take my take my ear, go outside my house, and, and listen. And I could hear somebody talking about how this is Patrick Mahomes' first true road playoff game. Well, yeah, they've been screaming it on the shitty side of I-70. <laughs> I can hear it from fucking Nowhereville in USA. Like, this is Mahomes. Yeah, because you guys sucked this year. Like, this was <laughs> a bad year for the Chiefs. And they were Tell still the three is. seed. And they were still the three seed. Yeah, but, okay, let's look at the AFC and as in its totality here and the fact that they had to be guaranteed a top four seed for winning the division. Like, Okay, yeah, you had the Houston Texans who were on the upswing, but they're still so fucking mid. Like, 
let's be real. The Chiefs, they are nothing special this year. The Broncos beat them. And we were a bad Denver Broncos team. Like, I, I think this is finally where the Bills get over the hump. Yeah. Josh Allen is playing really good football. They had to continue to win up until week 18 and compete through week 18. They played last week. They looked great last week. And you have to go into a very hostile environment in front of Bill's Mafia. It is a bad week to be a folding table in Buffalo. I'll tell you that. (laughs) It absolutely is. And And I, I'm going to win. Go bills. I, I just think, I just think that Josh Allen is the, not only the best quarterback left in these playoffs, he's probably the best football player left in these playoffs. I think that he is going to completely dominate out there on Sunday. Yeah, I think he's going to shred the Chiefs. Their defense has been porous all year. It has not been good. They have lacked a true pass rush all year. Mm -hmm. Their secondary continues to be... I, I don't think the Chiefs win this game. Like, barring Mahomes being heroic, which we know he can do... They don't win. They're they're not going to win this game. Um, You have to go into Highmark in the middle of the winter. And yes, okay, they've played in very poor conditions in Kansas City. Buffalo cold is a different kind of cold. That is chilling to your bone kind of cold. I don't know what the weather's supposed to be at Highmark this week. Uh, Let's take a look here. 20 degrees up in Orchard Park at game time. That's actually pretty good. Um, But... You know, if there's one quarterback in the NFL that can compete with Mahomes on arm strength and arm talent, it is Josh Allen. And Josh Allen is a, also a more capable runner than mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes because he's just bigger. He's bigger and stronger. I, I think the Bills have better weapons in terms of who Allen has to operate with. Obviously, Stefan Diggs. I don't think Rasheed Rice is anywhere near the same level as Stefan Diggs in this league. Pacheco's a decent running back, but Cook has had a hell of a season. He's a thousand yard rusher. Travis Kelsey is going to be a difference maker in this game, but yeah, I, but the tandem, the tandem of Knox and Kincaid, though, they just find ways to get open up there. Oh, it's been electric. It's been yeah. electric. If they go twelve personnel, I, I don't see how the Chiefs D can contain. Kincaid and Knox and Cook and Allen and Diggs. I I just don't see it out of this defense this year. And, you know, the Chiefs kind of – they've had a good defense, not a great defense for their kind of reign of terror. Mm -hmm. It's gone down. And I think that, you know, losing Eric Biennemi did hurt the Chiefs this year. Yeah. Um, Him him and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, that trio, really operated well together. And you can tell that this year the Chiefs' offense hasn't been as prolific as it has been in the past. I, I like Buffalo. Yeah. yeah, I like the line here is at two and a half. Last I checked, um, and shit, man, I don't think I don't I don't know if they cover, but I do know I'm taking Bills money line. 
A hundred percent. That's honestly still decent value. It's minus one fifty for the money line. So I like that. And you know, we're gonna have Bills, Ravens, AFC championship. I'm actually kind of bummed that this isn't the AFC championship game, just because every single year these two teams have played in the playoffs has been an instant classic in the NFL. Yeah. An instant classic. Do you do you think that Mahomes versus Allen is in that same vein of like Brady versus Manning? Allen's got or, he, or, or it will get there. Yeah, it, that was exactly what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. To whatever, whatever. If you said something different, <laughs> I Josh Allen has to win one, and I think that this is the year that he gets yeah, that first he, one. I I think this is his best chance because. The Niners, is Brock Purdy a Super Bowl winning quarterback? I don't think so. If, if he is, then he's literally just Trent Dilfer. <laughs> Lamar Jackson stands in the way. I, I think the Super Bowl winner could come out of the AFC very easily. I think that's probably the most likely scenario here. Yeah. Um, the Niners are an excellent team, and you know whether the Lions have to face them or whoever comes out of the AFC has to face them, it's going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be a great Super Bowl if the Niners are in there. I, I think that this could be the Bills year, though. I really yeah. do. Yeah. But we've been That's saying probably, that for four years. So True. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's kind of – everybody picks them as early favorites, and then, you know, shit goes down, and they end up as, like, the two or the three seed, just like they did this season. So Still better than um, picking the Cowboys. That's that is very true. That is very true, my friend. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit here and talk briefly about our CU Buffs men's and women's basketball. Big, big weekend for the Buffs. Uh, The Buffs tip off uh, in about 15 minutes uh, from when when we're recording right now, taking on the Oregon Ducks. Uh, But then they also play on Saturday against the Oregon State Beavers. Um, Hold up. Breaking news. Breaking news out of the NFL and college football landscape. Give it to me. Bill O'Brien, previously offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, is finalizing a deal to become Ohio State's next offensive coordinator. Interesting. Staying in the college game. Yeah, I don't love that. Um, I really... But then again, Ohio State's going to be fine no matter what because they're Ohio State and they have five stars up and down the three deep. Uh, That said, I don't think that's a great hire for them. Um, I didn't think it was a great hire when Bama did it. I didn't think – I mean, look at Mac Jones' performance this year in the NFL for the New England Patriots and tell me this is a good hire. And that was his college quarterback while he was coordinating in Alabama. So I I don't think that's going to go well. But sorry, I just had to break in with that. Um, uh, tonight for the Buffs, um, everybody looks like they're going to be playing. I didn't see any any injury updates pop up. I may have missed one, uh, but th- but this one's a big one for for the University of Colorado. Oregon Ducks are coming in pretty hot at thirteen and three, whereas our Buffs are sitting at twelve and five. Yeah. Um, massive game tonight up at the keg in Boulder. Um, I'm definitely going to be tuning in, which it should be wrapping up as we're theoretically, or it should be tipping off as we're theoretically, uh, wrapping up this episode about of office bros. This one is huge for, for our men's basketball team. Currently, if you follow bracketology, 
Joe Lenardi is kind of the gold standard for that, whether you like that or not. He is right now. He has us in the first four out of March Madness, which I, I don't love that because the Pac-12 is very, very solid as a basketball conference. They're very deep. Um, he has the Mountain West Conference getting more bids than the Pac-12, which I think is just a joke. But Colorado 12 and five, um, three and three in the pack, which is the biggest issue there. Whereas Oregon 13 and three, five and0 oh in Pac-12 play. Um, Buffs lead this all-time series uh, 16 to 12, so it is relatively close. They did split last year. Here's the big thing for tonight. Colorado is 11 and one all-time against the ducks in Boulder. Yeah. That makes a difference. Playing at elevation, playing at altitude, coming into the keg, it's a hard place to win, especially when it's been rocking like it has been this year. The buffs are really strong from three this year, which is great. We're leading the pack. Yeah, we're a top 15 uh, program nationally for shooting three this year. That's going to be a difference. Um Oregon's averaging a pretty good offense this year at 78.8. Um, we got a lock in defensively. They're, they're shooting at about 48% from the field um, on the year. I, I think we win this game. I, I really yeah. do. Um, Dana Altman, the keg has been a house of horrors for him. I, I think the Buffs win, especially with Cody playing, with Tristan playing, with KJ playing. We, we have a fully – well – healthy-ish roster, but no one knew on the injury report, no one that didn't play against USC or no one that played against USC isn't playing tonight. So I, I really like I really like the boss in this matchup. Plus, we just won our 500th game at the uh, at the Coors Event Center. So wow. that's pretty neat. That yeah, neat. That, that went over SC, over Brick Bronny James. Brick James, <laughs> as I like to call him. Did you okay? Just real quick tangent here. Did you see that there was a? Uh, I think Sham Sharania posted it today on his Twitter, where he said that uh, NBA scouts are still interested in Bronny James despite their, despite his zero point performance in his very first college game. Yeah, it's the last name, dude. That, that's exactly. All it is. Yeah, like I really don't understand how. There's just there's way better freshmen that are out there, yet he's still getting this notoriety, and I think it should be just because of the last name on his jersey. It absolutely is. I mean, it's the same reason that you know Arch Manning is still one of the top prospects in college football, even though he hasn't played a snap. Sure. It, it's the last name; it, it plays a role here. I think LeBron's middle kid is going to be better. Bryce, but, yeah, Bryce James. He's going to be a better pre- player. He's taller. He's more athletic. Bronny is kind of the uh, – who are the ball kids? Leangelo. He's kind of the Leangelo of the family. Like, <laughs> eh, well, he's he's there. He's got the name. So let's uh, let's take a flyer on him. Yeah. Um, did you see, like, the clip that got posted of LeBron watching Bronny on TV allegedly during his postgame presser? The last no. Year? Dude, I would bet, and I'm a, I'm a LeBron guy. Like, I respect LeBron, and I actually kind of like LeBron. But I'm sitting there watching this clip, and I'm like, there's no way that TV's even fucking on, let alone <laughs> that he's watching the game. Like, he's just saying random things, like watching the game, like, oh, 
shoot that. Oh, good pass. Oh, you got to catch that. It's like, no, no, you're not watching the game, dude. You're, yeah. You're just making shit up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bronny's not that guy. He's not, I, he's not him. I didn't realize this, but Dana Altman and Tad Boyle got hired in the same season. Mm-hmm. They've been around the pack a long, long time. Yeah. And also Boyle seasons. had a, uh, Boyle had a brief stint up in, up in Eugene at the start of his coaching career. Hmm. So interesting. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's move uh, to the CU women's side. Uh, the number three ranked team in the country taking on the number five team ranked in the country in the UCLA Bruins Friday to today, 6 p.m. at the Coors Event Center. Yeah, uh, know what I am tuning into tonight as you all are listening to this. Um, this is a hell of a matchup. One hell of a matchup. A top five matchup in Boulder, Colorado. The women are coming off a huge win against Stanford. They are undefeated for the first time ever in Pac-12 play for their program. They've risen to number three in the rankings. And I have a feeling they are not done climbing. I think that the Buffs will win this game. I'm very confident. Um, the ticket sales are looking phenomenal. Brian Howell, the writer for the Boulder Daily, for the Boulder Daily Camera, uh, put out a tweet that over 8,100 tickets had been sold as of this afternoon. Hell yeah. That means 10,000 people are going to be there for sure. Yes. Yes, because you're going to get a bunch of last-minute buyers. Students are having to claim tickets right now. Looks like the claiming process is going very, very well. Um, UCLA is coming off of a loss to their crosstown rivals, the USC Trojans. Also a very good women's basketball program, but not as good as Stanford. I, I like the buffs in this game. I think our guard play is elite. And I don't think UCLA, they, they have a big transfer in uh, Lauren Betts from Stanford last year. She's a Colorado kid, so look for her to have a big game. But Von Ley is a beast down low. You got Quay Miller, and I'm not sure who they have that can really check Quay. And Jalen Sherrod, man. Just Jalen Sherrod. It is yeah. it, this is Jalen Sherrod hour. So I, she, I love the Bucks this weekend. The thing that I love about Jalen Sherrod, and she said this, um, I think I think she got interviewed on Tuesday, if I remember right. She said uh that you that you just have to enjoy the moment. And because they've never had students have to come to get in line to go to their games and have sellout crowds at the Coors Event Center. And and I love that. I, I love that she's recognizing that the notoriety that they're getting, but also not letting it get over their head. She's like, I still have to stay in the moment here and, and enjoy this because I think it's a testament to the the work that they put in the consistency that J.R. Payne has had and then and then honestly building this program to one of the best women's basketball teams in the country. Yeah, I mean this is a senior laden team. They're a very th this group's you know it doesn't feel like we talked about it a little bit earlier, but it doesn't feel like the moment's too big for them yet. Right. I mean, it, in the past we would have seen that Stanford game be an issue. We would have seen LSU at the start of the year be an issue. Moment's not too big. I really think the Buffs pull out a big win, and 
you know, if they're able to keep this season rolling, they're going to secure one of the top four seats. They're going to be a one seed, which would just be wild. I mean, to be right behind, you know, South Carolina, that's amazing for where this, where this program is going to head under, under the stewardship of J.R. Penn. Yeah. And then we can't forget because we're not going to be posting before this, but they do play number six ranked USC on Sunday. Uh, This one is also at home. Yeah. I, once again, I think the bus win, Um, you know, UCLA is the tougher of the two matchups. Yeah. If the buffs are able to come out of that game healthy and with a win, I don't see this team getting complacent. You know, Sherrod, you were just talking about her of embracing the moment that goes to show me that she is hyper focused on this season and what this season can be. Yeah. So if they, I, I think they beat USC no matter what. USC is a good team, but UCLA is a little bit better in my eyes overall. They're a little bit yeah. more well-rounded of a team. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I, you know, looking at it, I, I agree. I think USC might be like. I think they're ranked higher than they should be mm-hmm. looking at, looking at their, of, of who they played and who they beat and how much they beat them by and that kind of thing. They're winning a lot of like closer games than what we have. So I honestly think it's going to come down to uh, obviously South Carolina, then, then Iowa led by Caitlin Clark and then Colorado Buffaloes the rest of the year. Yeah. And I think that's the way it should be. Um, yeah. South Carolina, Don Saley is one hell of a coach. They always have a ton of talent on their roster, and she knows how to win. And then Caitlin Clark is just bar, bar none the best college basketball player, period. Mm-hmm. Period. Men or women. And then you got the Buffs, which are probably the second most complete team after South Carolina. I, I think those rankings are accurate, and I think when it all shakes out, you're going to see the Buffs, at the very worst, be a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. I, I think that they have all the potential to be a top four team yeah. in the NCAA. Yeah. Love to see it from our Lady Buffs. Well, right on, man. Well, we wanted to move on. We wanted to do something a little different today uh, on Out of Office Pros. And we want, we Scotty Yell had poached this subject to me on Monday when we were having a little bit of technical difficulty, just talking about, you know, different things that we can maybe broach as, um, you know, as a, as, as a podcast. Um, and, and this one, this one really got my brain moving, but he asked me, what are the biggest what ifs? in sports history, you know, things, things that people don't necessarily think of. Um, and I guess I don't want to spoil anything, but like the one that I would give as an example, and this isn't one of my top ones, but like, what if Alex Rodriguez had been traded to the Red Sox? Mm. Those kinds Mm. of things. Yeah, that's what, um, that, those are the kind of magnitude of kind of things that we're talking about here. And I, per, I mean, baseball, I don't care as much about. So I think we'll get even deeper and, and bigger, you know, the bigger what ifs. Yeah. Um, you want to start or you want me to lead off? Uh, you go ahead and lead off. Okay. Um, I'll start with something close to home. What if Bill McCartney does not retire 
early? What if he continues and coaches out his contract? So Bill McCartney leaves the University of Colorado after, I want to say it was the 94 season, the Miracle of Michigan season. And he has talent up and down that roster. He's coming off of his running back winning the Heisman in Rashawn Salam, being a 2,000-yard rusher. And he steps away from the game um, for personal reasons, for family reasons. What happens with the University of Colorado should Bill McCartney stay? He is our winningest coach in program history. He won us our one national title, and it is a full national title. The only reason it's not is because Tom fucking Osborne from University of Nebraska, we beat the shit out of them so bad in 1990 that he left us off of his top 25 entirely on the coach's ballot. And that is why it is quote unquote shared with Georgia Tech. Another reason to hate the Huskers. But what happens? Because McCartney had this team rolling. He had this program rolling. He was getting players that ended up having not only successful college careers, but NFL careers. And Alfred Williams, Chad Brown, uh, Christian Fourier, you know, uh, Helton, Barry Helton. He gets all these guys. What happens with the University of Colorado if he decides to not step away? As this team was rolling, they were they finished his last year. They won the Fiesta second Bowl. In the, yeah, they finished second in the polls with a Fiesta Bowl win. They were 11-1 overall, 6-1 in conference. How different does this program look today? I, I think it looks substantially different because after that we we hired new Heisel, a uh, new Weasel, as I like to refer to him, who Mel Tuckered us before Mel Tucker was a thing, left us in the middle of the night for Washington. Then we hired Gary Barnett, came we came back, we came back, but we never got to that level of McCartney. And then we I all guess... know how it goes after Barnett. So, so I just looked up his contract because I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know the nuances of it. I guess I didn't realize that he was getting paid. This was in 1995, $350,000 per year mm-hmm. with 10 years remaining on his contract. That's a lot mm-hmm. of money back then. It's a ton of money back then. It's a ton of money. And I, I don't even want to do the inflation thing, but. Right. He, to quote himself here, uh, there's a word for his behavior, un-American, he said, laughing softly. You had to walk away from that much money? I mean, I I guess, I guess in his, you know, when he like leading the promise keepers and all that, like maybe he just didn't have any more time for football. Well, there was that. There was the fact that, you know, they they do a great job detailing this in um in the gospel according to Mac. Um but he stepped away because of all his family stuff. You know, he was at one point unfaithful in his marriage. He talked about that. Um he wasn't a present father. He talked about that with, you know, 
his daughter getting pregnant with Salinesi's child, TC. And then she, she had another fling with another player. Um, you know, his, he had some serious turmoil in his personal life. And he also uh, battled alcoholism back when he was an assistant at the university of Michigan and became a born again, Christian, you know, it was, he, he lived a tumultuous personal life in some regards, but we've seen that before with coaches. We've seen it with Steve Sarkeesian. We've seen it with Lane Kiffin. We've seen it with, we can go down a list, but what if Mike McCartney stayed or Bill McCartney stayed? His son, Mike is a sports agent that I apologize, but what if, what if he stayed, you know, that's where the question comes in because we still had good recruiting classes under new We at one point, you know, junior Seau, rest in peace, wanted to come to Colorado. He wanted to be above. And when McCartney left, his mom basically said, there's no way I'm letting you go to Colorado. And that's how he ended up at USC. You know, right. under New Heisel, Troy Palomalu wanted to come to Colorado and he ended up at USC. Carson Palmer also wanted to come to Colorado, ended up at, New, at USC when New Heisel left for Washington. You know, where, where does this program change? Where yeah. does this take us? Are we, are we a perennial top 10 program like Alabama or Ohio state if McCartney stays because he, there's a very strong odds that he could have gotten us right back to a national championship potentially in 95, or if he stays till 2001, 2000, 2001 season, you know, that was the year that we should have played for a national title. Granted, we would have gotten shit kicked by the Miami hurricanes, but we could have been there again. Yeah. That's a big, big what if, man. And honestly, not us to speculate because that's not what happened. It's a big what if. Um, mine is also a little close to home here, where, and I, and I have to phrase, I have to phrase this very specifically. What if Kelly Holcomb doesn't have the worst game of his life that? gets the Colts to draft Peyton Manning mm. or that gets the Colts, the number one pick to draft Peyton Manning. So here's the way that it goes on the final game of the season, December 21st, 1997, the two and 13 Indianapolis Colts played their uh, final regular season game against Minnesota. Jim Harbaugh, was the starting quarterback for Indianapolis and midway through the second quarter with a score tied 10 to 10 Harbaugh got an injury that made him leave the game. And Kelly Holcomb, a career backup went into the game on his third snap. He threw an interception on his seventh snap. He threw another interception on his ninth snap. He fumbled the football. The Minnesota Vikings went up 29 to 10 and then Harbaugh returned to the game and they kind of got back into it. They only trailed by eight points with five minutes and 17 seconds left in the game. Harbaugh got injured again. Kelly Holcomb goes in, fumbled the first snap. Then later on, he fumbled, he threw another interception. So his total for the day, 
<laughs> he had 15 snaps, five turnovers, cool. and and two cities that were forever changed. Because here's what would have happened. Had Harbaugh stayed in that game, I assume they win because Harbaugh was a serviceable quarterback. They would have finished four and twelve, which would have tied at the time the Arizona Cardinals and the San Diego Chargers. The way that the tiebreakers worked, the ninety-seven draft order would have gone Arizona, San Diego, Indianapolis. They had our Arizona already had their quarterback of the future in Jake Plummer leaving the chargers to choose between Peyton Manning and Ryan leaf. Dean Spanos himself would not have fucked that up. And they would, they would have taken Peyton Manning number two overall. God. That is a, and we would have had to play Peyton Manning twice a year forever. That would have sucked. Um, yeah, they, <laughs> the Cardinals probably... Well, I mean, that's that's just such a interesting draft, too, as you look at it. Because obviously you had Peyton Manning. That year, side note, was the best Heisman finalist of all time. There oh, that's going to be another, another Heisman class that, like that. That's the, we're gonna have another another discussion on out of office bros of what the best yeah. Heisman award ceremonies there were uh, yeah, and that, why that there why there were multiple people that insane. deserved to win the Heisman. Yeah, it was absolutely absurd. Uh, I mean, there's an amazing thirty for thirty that came out on it, and that was candidly what kind of made me suggest that to you. But you look at that draft. Obviously, Peyton goes one overall. We know how that ended up. Ryan Leaf, we know how that ended up. Then the Cardinals selected Andre Wadsworth, defensive end, Florida State. That was a trade with San Diego at the time. Yeah. Interesting. Um, then at four, Charles Woodson comes off the board. So, you know, in this scenario, you've got the Cardinals there. Who did they go with the one overall? They Knowing they have Jake, do they go with Charles Woodson? Does Woodson right. some, suddenly become the number one overall draft pick? Do they stick with Wadsworth? Either way, the Chargers are sitting there too. And Peyton right. Manning, while there was debate on who would be the better pro prospect, Peyton was pretty clear cut the number one by the time the draft rolled around. If Peyton Manning was a Charger, that would have been such a nightmare. It would have been a nightmare for us. It would it would have been a nightmare for us. And I mean, granted, like he was a nightmare for us in the playoffs, but at least the Broncos were making the playoffs because we didn't have to play him twice a year. It was great. Yeah, we were we were in the playoffs and we ran the division for a very long time. Right. It was great. Also, we did take a quarterback in that draft, fun fact. That Broncos did. Bubby Brister? Nope. So this was the 90... It was technically the 98 NFL draft. I'll, I'll give you the college if you want. Yeah, throw it at me. 
University of Michigan. Holy shit, dude. I'm drawing a complete blank. That'd be Mr. Brian Greasy. Ah, duh. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Big what if, man. Big what if there. Uh, Give me another one that you had had. Okay. Um, So, as we all know, I am a pretty big golf fan. This one, I'm not sure a lot of people have given a ton of thought to. And there's actually two here because I think they're both pretty quick hitters um, in terms of this athlete. It would be Tiger Woods, the GOAT. My first one is, what if Tiger's affairs had never been public or found out? And here's why I say that. Tiger's affairs all came out after his last U.S. Open win, which was 2008 at Torrey Pines. Unbelievable, unbelievable round of golf, unbelievable weekend. Um, The U.S. Open is really unique in the sense that if there is a tie after Sunday, they play an 18-hole playoff on Monday. Um, So they have to go play another full round after just playing four. And Tiger wins on a torn ACL against Rocco Mediate, who had a pretty minute career in the landscape of golf. Now, after Tiger's affairs are all found out, obviously he has the conflict at home. Elon Oregon chases him with a seven iron, allegedly, and takes a swing at him, allegedly. He gets in a car wreck, um, has some issues with painkillers after that, you know, how much of his back issues have been lasting effects from that car wreck because it was a pretty nasty car wreck. And honestly, Tiger's life kind of spiraled out of control for a while there. The ethical thing, obviously, is just don't have affairs, dude. Like, you're married. Please just stay within the confines of your marriage or just don't get married. But Tiger was living on the edge for so long, and he was also so elite that this may have changed his mentality. And... Tiger has long been chasing Jack Nicholas for the all-time major record. So if all this never comes light, if all this never becomes public, if he never gets in that car wreck, if he never gets in the second car wreck um, where he has the leg issue now, where we didn't know if Tiger would walk again, let alone play golf, what happens? Does he have the major record now? Is he undisputed the GOAT? In my eyes, he is the GOAT, but there are plenty of people out there my father included, that will debate that Tiger is not the GOAT because he doesn't hold the majors record. What happens if all this never goes down and Tiger never had to step away from the game for a little bit? I mean, definitely is, is he, definitely a couple more majors. I would I would imagine so. He's won one since um, with that Masters, which I have no shame in saying I cried when he won. That was <laughs> my childhood just rushing back to me. Um, the other one involving Tiger is what if he had pursued his dream of becoming a Navy SEAL? Tiger loves our military. He's obsessed with it. His dad was military. His dad was in the Navy. What if Tiger had 
not pursue golf and instead of playing golf had pursued that dream of becoming a Navy SEAL, then the game of golf looks totally different. There's not as much popularity around it. Tiger boomed the popularity of golf. He was such a unique talent and a unique personality that it changed the landscape. Purses got bigger for the winter. There was money flowing into golf that we've never seen. There was excitement around it. It's like robbing basketball of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. What if, man? Thank God I don't <laughs> live in that reality. That would have... Oh. Mine, uh, mine relates to hockey. Um, Ooh. If anybody... If if anybody has watched um, the King's Ransom or a King's oh, Ransom, so good. so good. Talks about the trade from Wayne Gretzky to the LA Kings. Um, my my what if is what if that trade didn't happen? So in 1988, the Edmonton Oilers trade Wayne Gretzky to LA for players, picks, and $15 million, which at the time is a shit ton of fucking money. Um, Let's show Hey Otani money right there. Back right. The and basically what the great one did was not only things he did on the ice, but he, he made hockey relevant the west side of the Mississippi. Honestly, south of the uh, northern border. Maybe even that. Since 1988, the NHL has added seven teams west of the Mississippi, plus five in like the southern states. Mm -hmm. So without that trade, we wouldn't have Stanley Cups for the, the 12 and 14 Kings the 07 Anaheim Ducks and probably several others that I'm missing in there. But pro hockey would largely remain a Northern sport, a Canadian sport. Yeah. Um, we might not even have a team here in Colorado. Right. Like Quebec. Which is hard, which is hard to say. It's hard to say that. Yeah. Um, you know, Gretzky, like Jordan, like Woods, was just so transformative of a figure because Americans gravitate towards excellence. Yeah. And he is the greatest to ever do it. He is called the great, mm-hmm. as D-Train said. So it's a weird world to think, what if that trade never happened? Especially for the Oilers, because they've been a – a little bit cursed ever since that. Yeah. Which that's what you get for trading the greatest hockey player to ever walk this planet. But it's really a weird scenario to think of. Mm-hmm. It's a really weird scenario to think of. Mm-hmm. Um, we got time for one more. For one yeah, each? go ahead. Yeah. Do no, nah, just do, just do yours. My, my other one's not okay. that cool. <laughs> I have a feeling you, you're, you'll probably want to chime in on this. Um, so, you know, you and I are both, 90s babies. Yep. I've brought up this athlete several times. 
What if Michael Jordan didn't step away from the game of basketball for one year? Ooh. So Michael Jordan coming off of three straight NBA championships with the Chicago Bulls at the peak of his game. Steps away for a year after his father is murdered. There are also some tinfoil hat conspiracies that it was actually a quiet suspension by the league for his gambling issues. Um, obviously, his father was was killed, so there's a pretty good reason that he stepped away from the game if you know those tinfoil hats aren't accurate, which they could have some, but not entirely. The Bulls came off of three straight championships. He goes and plays baseball for the Chicago White Sox farm team for one year. Actually improves grossly, given that he hadn't picked up a baseball bat since high school. Was a decent baseball player. And at the end of that year, decides, I'm going to return back to basketball. I miss the game. Goes on to win three straight again with the Chicago Bulls. What happens if Michael Jordan doesn't step away do they go seven straight and are hands down the greatest basketball team ever, ever? I also think though, and, and it, I don't know if anybody's like talked about this, but what people forget is, is that in 94, which I believe was the year he was playing baseball, right? Let me confirm that. But that was the year that Major League Baseball went on strike. It was, and he didn't. Stri- he did go on strike with the rest of the players too, because right. he said, "I cannot betray a player's union by crossing." Which the he- line by crossing the line. Right. But I, I dude, I maybe think if that, if there wasn't a strike that season that he may have continued to play baseball. He was working his way up to the big leagues. And he was actually pretty decent. Well, Terry, Terry Francona, Longtime baseball manager said, "If you give, if you give Michael Jordan a thousand at bats, he'll find a way to the majors." Absolutely. Like if like he like like we talked about this. Like he's one of those dudes that he's going to find a way to make the answer yes to anything in his life. He was that guy. He's he's that dude. <laughs> He's him. Like, I just, I... I mean, there's... It's hard, right? Because you had the Pistons, the Bad Boys. Right, so so that's another thing. So if he had stayed in baseball without that 94 strike, you have great players like Reggie Miller, uh, uh, Sean Kemp, John Stockton, Carl Malone. Patrick Ewing. Yeah, what happens? Do those guys do those guys win more without Michael? They absolutely do. He stood. It, he. It's like Tom Brady. He stood in the way of a lot of other excellent players because he was just too 
he was great. He, yeah. he was too great to get past. And I think that's the, that's the thing is like, okay, does Jordan stay with baseball? Because you look at it, his batting average in the Southern league. So the spring portion, he, he put up a two, a two, two, not great. Three home runs, 51 RBIs. But then he comes back to the Arizona fall league and he bats 252. That's a huge improvement. Right. A huge improvement. And he's only going to get better because of the level of competitor that he was. Does he end up seeing the show? Right. In the MLB? Does he ever even consider coming back to play basketball? Well, and- and here's the thing too, is, is that with those three NBA championships, he's already a hall of famer at 30 years old, which is when he called it. He would finish with less championships than magic, but tied with Larry bird. And then like you're in. Yeah. You, you had already done it without the other three. Well, and I guess the other part we're missing is, you know, the, the Bulls did lose out on two championships while he was absent. Well, one, and then when he came back, he was still rusty. He averaged 31 points per game in the playoffs still, but lost to the Magic in the next series um, in six. But without Jordan stepping away, how different do those two years look? Right. Do they win it, seven? Do they win eight? Yeah. I mean, it's we can have this conversation with several athletes. I mean, John Elway, what if he actually goes and plays ball for the Yankees? He yeah. was slotted as their starting fielder for the New York Yankees. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was picked ahead of a uh, God. Why am I blanking his name? He's a great Padre. Uh, Gwyn, Tony Gwynn, I think. But what if Elway goes and plays for the, for the New York Yankees? What if Kyler Murray plays for the Oakland Athletics? What if Russell Wilson continues pursuing baseball and not football? You know, plays for the Rockies. Yeah, or the Yankees. He was with both organizations. Um, Does that mean that, you know, the Broncos have another Super Bowl title? Because are the Seahawks the same Seahawks without Russ in 40 for that Super Bowl 48? Right. Patrick Mahomes was also an elite baseball talent. Like, what if. All these guys, and that's a very common conversation, but Jordan's unique, and he's the only one that was basketball yeah, and baseball, not football and baseball. Right, right. Well, everybody, make sure you hit us up on our socials. If you have any what-ifs in sports history that you would like to discuss with us, we – I don't know about you, Scotty Yell, but I went through like 10 and 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 picked you know three that I thought would be interesting to talk about. I uh, picked one a little close to home. But that's that's us. That's us at Out of Office Bros. We're homers for the Denver Broncos, our Colorado Buffaloes, Colorado Avalanche, Nuggets. Not the Rockies. Nope. Never the Rockies. Bunch <laughs> of deadbeats. Fucking Monfords. I hope they listen to this podcast. I hope by somehow they stumble across our podcast and listen to us just shit on them. And then hopefully... Hopefully that would make some change. I doubt that would ever be the case because they clearly don't give a shit. I mean, there's so many podcasts out there that shit on them. There are so many media outlets traditionally that just wreck them and they just don't care because they're raking yeah. money. And that is why at the end of every episode, I give us a scope buffs and boycott opening day.
That's right. 44 episodes in, you're going to get it again. Well, everybody, thank you so much for giving us another listen on Out of Office Bros. We'll be out of office again and in your ear holes on Tuesday. For immediate assistance, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. And please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and tell everybody best, the Out of Office Bros. Skill buffs. Boycott opening day. Say it to the people, Scotty L.